Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Monday and Wednesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast today. A surprisingly, another fully loaded show. We have recorded three days in a row this week, and every single day there has been a full notepad worth of things to talk about. So the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason, it means one thing. It's heating up. We're getting ready for football. We are less than a week away from OTAs. It has been a beautiful week here in the Berg. I did some golfing with some uh, Steelers media members yesterday instead of working. So uh, who'd you you go with? Good old Alan Saunders and Josh Roundtree. Let me tell you this. When people tell you that they're not good at golf, most of the time they're lying. I'm not Mm -hmm. telling you the truth. Josh Roundtree goes, no, I'm not. I'm not really that good. Alan (laughs) goes, I'm not really that good. Smoked me. Both of them, yeah. I, like it was embarrassing at one point uh, how bad I was losing. Not that I'm surprised by Alan. I don't want to, you know, I love Alan. I don't want to, yeah. not doubting his golf skills. But Josh, I, I would have believed that he was he was full of crap from the start. Like he. Oh, really? He seem, yeah, he seems like a guy who golfs a lot. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I just yeah. I kind of get that vibe. Like, I yeah. was seen right through that. I thought you meant the other way around. Like he. No. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. He showed up. He had like the, the uh, polo under the sweater. Yeah, you know, and I was just like, mm, it's over. Yeah, yeah, that's like when you uh you play like high school basketball and one of the kids shows up with like one leg sleeve or like an arm yes. sleeve or something. You're like, oh my god, this kid's this kid's yeah. gonna give me hell for for forty yeah. minutes. It's not even fair. Like it's not. It, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Like when you're playing pee wee football, the one kid that showed up and like the rev the speed rev helmet got it for some yeah. special occasion. You're like, damn it. They have a visor. They have yeah, a visor, yeah, yeah. You're over. like that kid's yeah, about yeah, yeah. to. There's a reason coach <laughs> gave that kid that helmet. You know, right. Yeah, hundred percent. Smoke me wasn't even fair at one point. I but I will say this: I went almost the whole eighteen holes without losing a, a golf ball, which is oh, in yeah. my head a moral victory. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, hey, that's all you can hope for. I mean, yeah. not that I'm. Yeah, not that I'm someone who golfs, but that every time like I talk to someone who golfs, they come home and they're like, "Well, I didn't lose a golf ball." And it's like, okay, that's that's a win. That's, that's all I win. look for. And and one given day, it's don't break a club, don't hit anybody, keep some golf balls. And, yeah. You know. I'll check that one up as win. But shout out to Alan. Shout out to Josh. It was a good day on the course. Um, shout out to uh, Three Lakes Golf Course as well over in Penn Hills. Fully loaded day for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like I said, we are now six days away from the start of OTAs and minicamp. In the last 24 hours, they've made two signings, one being a big XFL star that everybody, everybody's been waiting for. On top of that, still waiting on some Quan Alexander news. We'll get to that. And a list that we both believe is a little questionable. On Kenny Pickett, we'll talk some quarterbacks, and of course, we'll answer some questions as I sent out a mailbag tweet yesterday. Got some good responses. Excited to dive into those. Let's start with some news and notes here. Manny Jones and Hakeem Butler both signed to the Steelers yesterday. Manny Jones claimed off waivers after they put Rennell Wren on IR, ending his season. Swap a DT for a DT. Manny Jones comes in here. I think he's got like two games of playing experience for the Arizona Cardinals. Not much going on. You look at this guy, you know, do you just kind of look at him as a, hey, come here for the summer, be part of the 90-man roster? Or, you know, you think there's actually something behind this? Probably just a 90-man. Um, look, I mean, there'll be there'll be a chance for him to, you know, maybe be a practice squad or something like that. Um, you're banking on potential. Like, you don't really know who this guy is. Um, I don't know. Yeah, give him a shot. Like, see, see what he has. He was, uh, like, really productive in college. Um, 
at Colorado State, 181 tackles, 13 and a half uh, sacks. Sorry, no, that's tackles for loss or sacks, but 13 and a half. Like that's that's something you can work with. Um, for a guy who didn't really get a chance uh, to to really prove what he was with the Cardinals, it I don't know. Maybe he'll become a preseason legend, and we'll we'll be talking about him more as uh, as the season goes on. But for right now, doesn't look like he'll be a, a major player at all. But still, uh, you know, a little bit more a little bit more depth for that 90 man in training camp. Yeah, kind of feel bad for Renell Wren. You know, never never like to see an injury this early in the offseason. Uh, but yeah, I agree. You know, a guy that'll come in here, possibly compete for the practice squad. Not really much going on. Not really an exciting move. The defensive line is just too deep. You know, like you're not going to, yeah. chances are you're not going to beat out Isaiah Loudermilk. You're not going to beat out Armand Watts. You might beat out Braden Fajoko, but I doubt it. Jonathan Marshall, I doubt that one too. And then you got, you know, your undrafted guys. I just think that it's a it's a loaded room. Wren probably had a very small chance of making the roster. I think Manny Jones is kind of the same. But, you know, we've been surprised before. These guys have bounced around in, in years past, and the Steelers have been a home for a lot of these guys that weren't able to stick in other places. Either way, you know, exciting that these things are still happening. I like to see uh, like to see guys get opportunities real close to OTAs. Uh, with that said, Hakeem Butler finally inks his contract to come to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was the biggest name that wasn't at rookie minicamp. Everybody made a big deal out of that one. Where is Hakeem Butler? Why isn't the XFL guy here? From what I heard, he wasn't able to actually attend rookie minicamp and join the Steelers until OTAs. I've, I've been told the other side of that since then, saying maybe that's not totally accurate. I don't know what side is true. All I know is that he's here. The XFL announced it yesterday. Akeem Butler signs with the Steelers. He's not part of the 90-man roster. Everybody's assuming that this guy is immediately going to make the team. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a very loaded wide receiver room. What are your thoughts? Do you think this guy is is a star or another prove-it piece? I'm I'm kind of with you. I think he has some talent. Like, you don't score a touchdown. You know, you don't lead any football league in touchdowns without yeah. having a little bit of talent, but – I'm just not sure what he brings to the table that the Steelers don't already have. Big body can go up and get catch, catch contested balls. Um, Steelers got a couple of guys like that. I don't know um, between like Pickens and and even maybe to a certain extent Miles Boykin. I I, I don't want to count him out completely, but in Allen Robinson too, I'd probably even put him in that in that discussion a little bit. But yeah, I just he's a receiver. He's not a guy who's gonna wow you on special teams. It doesn't seem like doesn't have crazy speed. It doesn't, I, I'm just not sure what he brings to the table that, that the Steelers don't already have there. So to me, it seems like an uphill battle for him to not just make the roster, but to be kind of an impact player. Um, but who knows, you know, like it's, it's receiver. We've seen stars break out or, or guys break out before, but sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not super sure what, like you said, you know, people think this guy could be a star. I, I'm not as sold on that. Yeah, I, I think it's too early for this. Like, there's a reason that these XFL stars are playing in the XFL. Does that mean that they can't transition into the regular NFL? No, I, I think that the Spring League is a good opportunity to kind of continue to progress. A lot of these guys don't progress as rookies. They don't get opportunities afterwards. Maybe that's the case with Keem Butler, but still, eight eight touchdowns is cool. It means that he's a red zone threat. It means that he can play the slot. He's a big body. The Steelers are looking for those. But I think it's going to be hard for a guy to come in here and say, I am the fifth best wide receiver unless he's really good at special teams. Like you're going to have to beat out miles Boykin as a gunner. You're going to have to beat out Gunnar Olszewski as a gunner, you know, Anthony Miller as a practice squad guy. Just if you run down the list, like George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Austin, 
uh, uh, Allen Robinson, and then you might keep two more. So maybe you keep Miles Boykin, and then you're, I guess, sticking with Hakeem Butler if that's the case. But either even at that, you're the sixth best wide receiver on this team. I just don't think it's a given. Is it ex- exciting that he's here for the summer? A hundred percent. Like it's cool to. Oh, yeah. see the Steelers grab the top wide receiver in the XFL, a big body guy who kind of resembles Allen Robinson and say, let's see if we could turn this guy into something. But at the same time, like my expectations are low. I'm not really looking at this guy as, as a 53 man roster guy yet. <clears throat> I just look at him as, you know, it's exciting. It's an exciting name. It's an Anthony Miller to bring into the summer and say, you know, maybe this guy's a stud. May- maybe he's not. I feel like at the very least, we're going to enjoy watching him at training camp, you know, like he's going to make some ridiculous catches at training camp than where, and everyone's going to be, uh, you know, all over him saying, oh, you're telling me that's not a 53 man roster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, he did it in shorts and shoulder pads in training Latrobe. camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's Latrobe. the Gunnar Olszewski of last year. Remember, like right. we were Gunnar should have been the MVP of the league last year. If, right. If we were judging off of OTAs in training camp, 100 yeah. percent. But. And maybe that's him, you know, but maybe he does shine in the preseason. We'll see. I just I, I wouldn't hold very high ground on Akeem Butler and say that during training camp, he's going to get a lot of reps with Kenny Pickett or any of that. I would say he's getting a lot of Mitch Trubisky reps, a lot of Mason Rudolph reps, and maybe he earns a spot on the team. But I don't know. I think the Steelers have their guys. They're just kind of bringing in tryouts. Um, all right. To the same extent, switching sides of the ball here. Quan Alexander, we talked about him yesterday, signing, super hyped about it. That's the That was the expectation. 24 hours, we're over 24 hours now, nearly 48 at this point. Still no news of a signing. You getting concerned? You starting to think that maybe maybe things didn't work out in the visit? Maybe the contract negotiations didn't go, that, go well? Or are you just thinking patience is key? We just got to wait this one out. I'm a little bit concerned. You know, I don't think you can't be you know after mm-hmm. uh there was so much hype around his visit and then i don't know just a whole lot of nothing for two days that's a, that's a little bit concerning but i don't know i'm still confident they'll get him to sign might be for a little bit more money than they might have wanted but you know that feels like splitting hairs at this point um yeah i still think Quan alexander is going to be on the roster he's gonna he's gonna be signed he's gonna be at training camp and we're gonna kind of forget about this in a little while but it does give you a little bit of just, and, and you know, OTAs are just with OTAs approaching. I feel like everyone's a little, you just gotta, you, you would rather get this done sooner rather than later. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's the case with Mason Rudolph too. We, we talked about Mason Rudolph, how he's signing, how, you know, here's the thing. There's still no news there either. I, I think the concerning part is like the Mason Rudolph thing. It was, he is, he is expected to sign the Quan Alexander was like, he's visiting with the expectation that a deal will get done, but it was more highlighted the visiting part as in Mason was just like, this guy's probably going to sign here. Like there's no real reason to come in for a visit. I don't know. There's a little bit of concern for me, I guess, but I'm with you. Like my expectation is still that this deal is going to get done. That Quan Alexander is going to end up in Pittsburgh. I just kind of look at it and go, how, how long until that expectation changes? Like, do we go a whole day? If by the end of today, there's no news. Are you starting to think, Nah, maybe this isn't going to happen if it's the whole day tomorrow. Is it like, eh, this isn't going to happen. But at the same time, like who else is negotiating with this guy? Like we haven't heard any other news about Quan Alexander. And it's not like we wouldn't know, you know, like it's not like the the world wouldn't know Quan Alexander's got two bidding partners and the Steelers are one of them. We would have an idea of who else is talking to Quan Alexander right now. It's just Pittsburgh. I don't know. Like you said, I'm not concerned. Something to monitor. 
something to keep an eye on. And if it can, I'm giving it three days, you know, the 36 hour rule, if it's 36 hours and if that would that be it, 72, 72 hours, I do yeah, that yeah. all the time. You're good. Yeah. 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 72 hours. Then at that point I'm starting to think, Oh, okay. You know, what's going on here. And if the weekend approaches and you know, if OTA hits here, he doesn't sign, he's not coming to Pittsburgh, but if he, yeah. if it's before that, I'm still just going to, you know, walk a line of caution and just say things are getting worked out. It's a busy time of the year. The Steelers are signing XFL guys. You know, they got their hands full. Well, maybe, maybe. But for right now, I agree. Keep it keep it on the low. Keep it calm and uh, just kind of see what happens. Next thing on the news and notes here. Kenny Pickett gets dropped in uh, Good Morning Football's top five quarterbacks under the age of five by Jamie. Or, oh, Erdell? okay. It's Jamie Jamie, Buck- Jamie Buckman. Jamie Buckman. Er- Erdell, I believe, is her maiden name. My apologies. I don't really watch a lot of good morning football, but, you know, well-respected <laughs> people over there. I always enjoy it when I do catch it. Kenny Pickett, in her top five, drops number five on the top five QBs under the age of 25. Number one is Jalen Hurts. I think that's a given. Trevor Lawrence falls in number two. Brock Purdy, number three. Justin Fields, four. And then Kenny Pickett, five. Thoughts? I'm not too happy with this list. I won't lie to you. Well, so the first thing that strikes me is Justin Fields behind Brock Purdy. That's that seems pretty crazy to me. I'm a big Justin Fields guy. I'm higher on him than others, but whatever. Kenny Pickett, I feel like is in this list kind of by default almost. Yeah. Um, not that he's bad, but it also seems like we're counting on a big step forward from him. And that okay. seems to be kind of the general consensus around Steelers fans in the league is that. Yeah, what Kenny did last year alone probably wouldn't merit him getting into this in this list and making him, you know, one of the better quarterbacks at his age. But he everyone seems to be counting on a big step forward for him. Yeah. So that's just a lot of pressure for him to kind of live up to this billing. Um I, I have no gripes with Kenny being on this list, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Some of the guys that are ahead of him, I guess one of the guys that are ahead of him, I, I don't know if I agree with it. So uh, the Justin Fields one gets me because if you're going to judge Kenny Pickett off of what he's about to do, I feel like you got to do the same thing with Justin Fields because Justin Fields didn't have an impressive year last year. It was just the ground. He was incredible on the ground. Like the easiest bet in football was the over on whatever Justin Fields rushing numbers were for 15 weeks of the season. But at the same time, like he didn't he didn't impress through his arm. There were a lot of questions about whether or not he's like the guy for the Bears which I, you know, I'm with you. I think Justin Fields is a phenomenal quarterback. I got no worries about what Justin Fields can do with the team around him, but I kind of feel the same way about Kenny Pickett. Like I didn't watch Kenny Pickett last year and go, oh, this guy is going to stink. If you, as long as you put a good team around him, I feel he's going to be totally fine and and a good quarterback. Brock Purdy is the name on here that kind of like, eh, to me, I think the Brock Purdy, Purdy pipe is Purdy, excuse me, hype is, is real it's it's near or it's uh it's allowed like you know it's warranted i don't i just i look at it and say what is you know how much praise can we give this guy if we're going to talk about how kyle shanahan is just the greatest quarterback coach of all time like if we're going to sit here and say anybody could win in brock or in kyle shanahan's offense why is brock purdy like this gift from god quarterback and then people are going to bag on everybody. Because like, if that's the case, let's hold everybody to the same ground and let's judge them off of their coaches 
and their play. And if that's the case, what Kenny Pickett did to lead a team to seven and two and a nine and eight record with the worst offensive coordinator football has seen in the last decade, then I mean that's that's pretty good to me. Like I think that that's I think that that deserves a little bit of praise. I, I just I think it's hard to judge off of one season for both of them because I'm I'm a little worried Brock Purdy's going to fall off, but I'm also a little worried maybe Kenny Pickett doesn't make the huge jump that we expect him to. But I think, yeah, I think Justin Fields is the easiest one to to jump, I guess. I don't know about jump. I don't know if I don't know if I'm jumping Kenny Pickett over Justin Fields or Brock Purdy. I just think that the argument has to be made for both of them. Yeah. You got to judge everyone on the same curve. Um like yeah, Kenny well, like both Kenny and Justin didn't have a t- Kenny had better weapons, I guess, honestly, than than Justin Fields did. At one but- point they had the same weapons. It's true. The same weapon. That's true. It's yeah. true. Very true. But yeah, you got to judge everyone on the same curve. I think you said this before we got on, but drop anyone into Kyle Shanahan's offense and let's see what they do and let's see how good they look. That's not yeah. to it's not to discredit Purdy. Like he he did what he was supposed to do in that offense, but I don't know. Like I think if Trey Lance, like there's a reason that Jimmy Garoppolo also won in that system. There's a reason Mister Irrelevant could win in that system. You know, yeah. we'll we'll see if Brock Purdy even wins the starting job against Trey Lance. Like, I don't think that's a given either. Yeah, I kind of look at it like, look at if Kyle Shanahan's out here talking and people are actually believing that a guy like Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, like and has the franchise quarterback makings. What do we judge? Like, what is what what is the line here? Could anybody come in here and be a franchise quarterback in San Francisco? Because I believe that they could. Like, I genuinely believe that you could take any quarterback in the league, put him in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And they're, they're not going to, you know, some of them will probably play better than others, but everyone's going to be fine. Nobody's going to stink in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's just how I look at it. Like, you know, if you're going to put, put Kenny Pickett in Kyle Shanahan's offense, see what he could do with it. I don't, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it does. I just, I don't know. The playing ground's weird when it comes to Kyle Shanahan. Like, I just think, I think he's just like the total opposite. And then at this, the other side of that though, like with Justin Fields, he's got, I mean, possibly the worst team in football. Kenny Pickett's got the worst play caller in football. Like it's just, you know, it's different. Your your starting points are so drastically different. Like where Brock yeah. Purdy's started his NFL career is here, where Kenny Pickett started is here, where Justin Fields started is on the floor. Like not yeah. even anywhere close. So I, once you even them out, who's the better ones? I I don't know. I'm, I'm I'd put Justin Fields first of that three, and then I'd probably go Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy. That's that's kind of how I feel about that. That seems very fair to me. That's probably how I'd do it, too. Yeah, yeah. But besides that, Trevor Lawrence, two. Jalen Jalen Hurts, one. No questions asked. Good list. Good list. All right, next thing. Let's stick with the quarterbacks here. I want to talk about the signing of Mason Rudolph, which we just said hasn't become official yet, I guess, but it is expected to happen. There's some talks. Fans, media, everybody's tossing this out there that possibly – with the addition of Mason Rudolph, another vet, somebody that Kenny Pickett knows, all the excuses that the Steelers used to keep Mitch Trubisky around while they carry the same warrant with Mason Rudolph. Does that open the door, possibly, for the Steelers to consider a trade of Mitch Trubisky or to get rid of Mitch Trubisky and try to save some of that $8 million cap hit? Look, this that's something I would have explored long before even signing Mason Rudolph. Like, they could save a lot. Like this was a team that was pretty desperate for cap space. Mitch was eating up a lot of that, a lot more, especially relative to the value he was bringing to the team. 
yeah, I'd consider a trade. Um, I would have considered cutting him. Um, especially now that you have Mason, you have extra insurance against that. Um, yes. But again, with most of your team signed, I feel like, you know, like, again, like we talked about this yesterday, but with assuming they can land Quan Alexander and that that works out, they're not many other, they're not going to make some other huge splash in free agency. So I don't know how much they need that cap space anymore. So at this point, it feels like a sunk cost and you just kind of hang on to him before, you know, because I think he's a better backup than Mason. And I'd feel more yeah. comfortable if Kenny goes down, putting Ma- Mitch in there than Mason. So, I don't know. You consider it. You'd see what you can get for him. But it's not as much of a necessity as I felt like it was maybe at the beginning of the offseason. So, right now, the Steelers have $8.1 million in cap space available. This is according to Over the Cap. Um, I believe this includes – I just want to double-check here and make sure that it includes – the rookies. Yep, Nick Herbig's in here. So it includes the rookies. So they have $8 million. You're maybe giving a million dollars to Quan Alexander, maybe $2 million max, but you're not giving a bunch of money to that guy. So you'd like $6 million. I will say this. The Steelers like to carry $10 million into the season just, just in case, but they haven't touched. The, no, they did. They reworked TJ Watts, correct, I believe, earlier in the season. They haven't touched Minkas. They haven't touched Cam's. You know, they I, they could touch Mitch's, but if I'm Mitch Trubisky, I'm telling him pound sand because there's no <laughs> yeah. chance you're touching my money. Um, but there's options to get you over that $10 million mark or get you somewhere close to that $10 million mark. So I kind of agree. Like, it's, it's dead money. But it comes down to, I think, the other side of that question, which is what you could get for him. I don't think that's anything right now, but somebody goes down in training camp, somebody goes down in the preseason, you get a big name that's hurting or for some reason, somebody doesn't work out somewhere. I mean, Mitch is a guy, you know, you're going to, you're going to call for Mitch. You're not going to call for Mason. Nobody's sitting around going, Hey, is Mason Rudolph available? Let me get my hands on him. But for Mitch Trubisky, you'll take a shot on him because he shined last year at moments. He looked real bad at other moments, but he shined last year in moments. Everybody in the league knows what the Steelers offer at in offense. It's not much, you know, nobody watched Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky last year. And went, oh man, dude, Matt Canada is so good. I can't believe these guys are bad. Everybody around the league's going, yeah, wow, they're really, they're really working with a handicap here, huh? Like this isn't, yeah. it's not really working. So they know that I think the expectations should be higher than you know what his performance was. I think that they'd make the call. It just kind of depends on the compensation. I think it also depends on, you know, what if Tanner Morgan comes out here and in those, you know, 15 snaps that he gets, he balls out. The dude just has a phenomenal arm and looks really impressive and is really smart. At that moment, like, are you, are you keeping Mitch Trubisky for one more season just so that you could lose another young quarterback that you believe could be a backup? And in a year from now, you're going to lose Mitch Trubisky because there's no chance he's sticking in Pittsburgh after a year. No, and and I think that's a good point. You know, you don't some dominoes have a further down the road thing than than yeah. immediately. Um, yeah, I I think that that's a strong argument. You know, Tanner Morgan could be could be a lot more than we expect from him. Um, but yeah, you gotta kind of wait to see how the other how the rest of the league not considers. Mitch, but kind of considers the rest of their quarterback situation yeah. and, and you know what, what kind of regard they hold for, for their guys. I think that's a point well taken about 
kind of the the things that have been around Mitch and the environments he's been in. They had he has not exactly been set up for success in any of his. I don't know how long he's been in the league for. It's been a while, right? Like yeah. five years. This is fifth. No, year? more than that. Really? I thought he was drafted in twenty eighteen. Nah, I'm trying to remember maybe. when he was at North 2017. Carolina. 2017. 2017. So six uh, years. Six years in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So, and in none of those six years has he been set up for success at all. So, yeah. and I mean, you wouldn't be going to a team where you're either going to be a backup or play for a team that has lost their starter. But it'd be a better shot, I think. I think there there are very few places where he would get a worse shot than than Pittsburgh and Chicago. Yeah. And like, yeah. There's he literally went from the worst offense in football, hands down, the worst offense in football. Like it, like an incompetent head coach so much that like people were shocked Matt Nagy actually got another job anywhere after that to Buffalo where everybody was like, this is what he needed, a good team, a good environment, blah, blah, blah. He'll learn to Pittsburgh who was the next Chicago Bears, like the worst offense in football by a mile. No, Nothing even close. Like the worst play caller to touch a football field since Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky somehow had to work under him. So I agree. I think that he, you know, do I think Mitch is a starting quarterback in the NFL? Probably not. Do I think that he deserves another shot if if there's an opportunity? Yeah. Like, I'd take a chance on Mitch Trubisky and say, yeah, this guy could, you know, we'll see what he's got, especially compared to, and I think this is the big one, it's compared to who's, out there because you, you people talk you know Carson Wentz Matt Ryan Teddy Bridgewater like when are they going to sign when is somebody going to go here and get these guys if I'm a team and my quarterback goes down at any point Carson Wentz I'm going Mitch Trubisky over Carson Wentz I'm going Mitch Trubisky over Matt Ryan I'm going well, Mitch Trubisky isn't Matt there. Ryan uh he's going broadcasting right yeah but he's not retiring he said he's not retired. Oh, he can't. Okay. So technically he can't retire. I was watching the Pat McAfee show yesterday and Ian Rapport was explaining this to me, to everybody. Um, he cannot retire or he has to pay back some of his guarantees. So he'll never retire. He will mm. just, he will just be an NFL eligible, eligible quarterback forever. And, you know, maybe make it into the hall of fame in 30 years or something. I don't know. Carson Wentz, I'm going Mitch Trubisky over Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan, I'm going Mitch Trubisky over Matt Ryan. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm going Mitch Trubisky over Teddy Bridgewater. Joe Flacco, all respect in the world, going Teddy Bridgewater. Going him over Nick Foles, Chase Daniels, Josh Jackson, Bryce Perkins, EJ Perry, and Jake Luton. I don't even know who that is. Those are the remaining free agent quarterbacks, like the big name guys worthy of Spotrack's list of free agent quarterbacks. I'm going Mitch Trubisky over every single one of them. He's only 28 years old. I just think that I, I think that the potential is there to trade them. Do you, I think the big question is, you know, do you think that the Steelers would even consider it if somebody called? Uh, no, quite frankly. I mean, like, yeah, I they like like Mitch for they like love Mitch him. and Mason for reasons that I just really want to I want to ask them point blank, like just I, I, off the record. Just tell me why you like these guys so much. Like, yeah. what does Mitch know? What does Mitch right, know that we're not allowed right. to know? Right, like, what did these guys know? Like, what have they shown you? I, I, I don't mean to rag on them, but like, I don't know. I have not seen much. I guess Mason does have some some stuff to his resume, but like, with Mitch, you're again, like we talked about, you're banking on potential and maybe like potential in a certain twenty eight year old. Yeah, and 29. in a certain situation, he could be he could be decent, but like. 
I don't know. There's there's little I've seen from Mitch as a Steeler that would give me any kind of confidence. Hey, confident, like confidence deserving of what the coaching staff in the front office clearly have in him. Yeah, hundred percent. It makes no like if I was, I would have traded him three months ago. But I don't know the Steelers. It's it's all uh, it's all in the plan to assure Kenny Pickett is smooth sailing. And in my opinion, they've done that. They've done the complete opposite of what I would do if I was trying to make sure that Kenny Pickett would have a smooth second season. But I don't make these decisions for a. Uh, for a reason so we'll see but i'd say the door is definitely open and once this uh once the mason rudolph news is announced i think it opens even wider so we'll see jumping into the next thing we'll finish off the show here tossed out a tweet yesterday asking for some questions we grabbed six of them we're gonna dive through them here for you guys appreciate everybody who sent in a response and a question and hopefully we got to everybody that we could richie hunt good follower of the show always hits us up on twitter appreciate you richie what player do you believe has to play above his baseline in order for the Steelers to have a solid season, not named Kenny Pickett? I'll let you uh, start this one off for us. Well, the first name that comes to my mind is really George Pickens. Um, I think that's another guy. Like we've talked all about the leap that we want Kenny Pickett to make. I yeah. think that goes in hand in hand with a leap that George Pickens has to make to not just be a guy who catches two deep balls a game and maybe a touchdown, but a guy down to bust something open or get a first down, you know, to make a big play just about every time he steps on the field. So that that's the first name that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Uh, George Pickens is a good one. I'm going to go Kenny P- or yeah, Kenny Pickett. I'm going to go Najee Harris. I think Najee, if he has a great season, this offense is a whole other level than what it was a year ago. You know, obviously dealt with the injuries. Everybody wanted to make an excuse about, Oh, Najee got too big. Najee isn't fast. Najee's indecisive, blah, blah, blah. We've explained a million times why things didn't work out early for Najee Harris last season. I think this year, from the pictures I've seen, he looks slimmer. He looks more elusive. I think that that's a name that if it if, if Najee goes off this offense, Kenny Pickett or not, is already better than what it was a year ago and has more options than it was a year ago or had a year ago. And I, I would say a lot rides on what Najee does this season. All right. Is the slot, oh, first off, shout out Aiden, appreciate you. Is the slot cornerback the biggest weakness on the Steelers? Yes or no? That's a good question. I'm tempted to say yes, but also that's a pretty good sign if your slot cornerback is your biggest weakness on the team, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like they have options there. It's just to a certain extent, like if you have tons of options, that's that can be both a good. Mm-hmm. I didn't settle on one guy to be your stop slot corner. That's a problem, but got options, I guess. Um, I think this will become clear that when we step into onto the field at training camp, when we start talking to guys, uh, or even OTAs maybe, but I'd say for right now, yeah, it's hard to argue that. Um, you could say maybe depth at linebacker. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Like, yeah, I, I get. I mean, maybe slot receiver. Like, you don't really know who's going to be there. Like, you know, Allen Robinson's kind of unproven. Calvin Austin too, but yeah. yeah, slot corner probably. Yeah, I think slot corner is their biggest weakness right now. I've kind of held true to that for a little while. I just don't think. I think if you lined up the entire starting offense and defense, you'd be comfortable with every position until you got to Duke Dawson in the slot or Chandon Sullivan in the slot, and you go, ooh, no. And teams have learned, just like they did last year, 
You know, the Cincinnati Bengals started lining up T. Higgins across from Arthur Millette because they knew he was their weakness on defense. They'll start doing that again. The AFC North has way too many weapons at receiver, the Cincinnati Bengals especially. But Amari Cooper, we saw what he was able to do last year against the Steelers. There are just too many talented receivers to have a hole in the secondary as big as the slot corner. And I think right now they just don't have one. And it's it's concerning. You know, I tossed out a name in my to go today. It was Mark Gilbert out of the or the USFL. He's led the USFL in interceptions with two. He's got like 10 pass deflection. Former Steeler who's got starting experience with the Lions. He's only 25 years old. I think they give him a call. I think they should give him a call and say, hey, you know, come try out as well. I think he would beat everybody out. I just do. I was impressed with Mark Gilbert when he was here as an undrafted rookie out of Duke, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was Duke. Um, a guy who, if he didn't deal with injuries, what I was told as, as an undrafted rookie is that if Mark Gilbert didn't deal with injuries coming into the league, he probably would have been like a second or third round draft pick because of that. He fell to an undrafted free agent. He impressed with the lions, but the lions stunk at the time. That's a name to watch for me that I think the Steelers should call. I'm not impressed with Shannon Sullivan at all. I'm not impressed with Duke Dawson at all. Luke Barku, maybe, maybe that's a guy, but we talked about him, not impressed with him either. I just, I don't think that they have a name right now. I think Patrick Peterson's their best bet. And that, uh, that definitely concerns me unless Akella Witherspoon is like their backup on the outside. Then I feel better, but I don't feel great about it. Well, I was going to say, are there any of their kind of outside corners that you think could bump down inside? Yeah, it'd be Patrick. It'd be, it'd be Pat P um, him, Corey Trice, but I, Corey Trice has got to prove himself. Peterson's a, a physical guy. I think he could guard tight ends well. My concern with him is if you bump him in, Joey P's got to be 100% ready to cover the outside full time. And then you got to be able to say, you know, James Pierre or uh, Akella Witherspoon or James Pierre is ready to be the primary backup on the outside. I think Akello is. I don't know if James Pierre is that good, but, you know, you, you have the options. It just doesn't sound like the Steelers are going that way. Like it sounds like when Omar Khan mentioned Sullivan and Duke Dawson, my all arms went off as full, full speed, full blast. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, why, why, why are you doing like you have DeMonte KZ, you have Keanu Neal, you have Patrick Peterson. Why are you putting Duke Dawson in the slot? That just doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't know how they'll approach it, but if, you know, if they're going to keep who they have, Patrick Peterson's my name to watch. All righty. Nick Berlansky, shout out Nick Berlansky over at Inside the Penguins and uh, Tip Nick. of the Iceberg podcast on YouTube. Check them out 100%. What are your expectations for Calvin Austin this season? Do you think he'll be a serious third or fourth option at wide receiver or just a gadget guy? I am, I'm a big Calvin Austin guy. I have been since since he got drafted. Um, I think I think he will be closer to third, fourth option as a wide receiver versus just a gadget guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be a huge waste of his talent if all you considered him to be was just a gadget guy to run some jet sweeps or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I have big expectations for Calvin Austin. I love the speed that he brings to this offense. I like that he brings something a little different. I, I don't know. I think I feel like they're going to start the season with, you know, barring any injuries or anything. Allen mm-hmm. Robinson is the starting slot, but I. I I have a distinct feeling that Calvin Austin is going to work his way into that starting job and be a really valuable piece for him. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's Allen Robinson's job, but I think it'll be more of like a, there's two slot guys 
you know, this season, or I think everybody's going to get utilized. It's not going to be like more snaps over less. Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens will hold the upper hand over everybody else. The rest of the mix, Pat Frymuth, Darnell Washington, Connor Hayward, Calvin Allen, those guys will all just, they'll be like an even split. Um, but I do, I think I agree with you 100%. Calvin Austin was the most electric player at training camp last year. He was the most fun to watch. You could tell that this guy had niche. The Steelers were huge on him in the draft. That's the only reason they drafted him is because they can't believe they couldn't believe that he fell as far as he fell third, fourth option, hundred percent. I don't think that there's anybody remotely close to him after that fourth guy that would even, you know, surpass him or have an opportunity to surpass him. And I think, I think Galvin Austin's used as a gadget guy and as like that third, fourth guy, like I, I would be very surprised if Calvin Austin is not a complete menace for the Steelers this season, very high expectations, uh, friend of the show, Calvin Austin is so uh, gotta you always gotta root Calvin for, Austin. Good guy. The first Steelers game I ever covered in person was I think Steelers Seahawks in uh, in the preseason, and I think that was we didn't know that Calvin was gonna be yep was gonna be injured was gonna be hurt for that game and for the rest of the season, and I was so disappointed that we we saw him like walking around in a boot or something on the sideline, and I man I was disappointed that yep. was I thought that was gonna be fun. Yeah, it, it it was like that was the worst way to watch that guy, the most explosive guy of the summer go down like that. But I think that just, you know, it added the itch. It added the itch. Every time I'm at the facility, Calvin Austin's there working. And every time I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? How you been? He's like, just grinding, man, back to it. And I'm like, you've been back to it for a year now. So, <laughs> you know, I expect Calvin Austin to be a freak this year. I got high expectations for the kid. Four typos full. Appreciate you. Four typos. Maybe Kenny Lamar seven. I don't know. Either way, shout, shout out. Appreciate you. What are realistic expectations for Broderick Jones in year one? And can we all agree not to slander the guy when he inevitably struggles? Let's start with the second part here first. A hundred percent. No, know, we, we're yeah. going to overreact to every mistake that he ever makes. That's how it works. Have you ever watched is, NFL football before? That is what oh. happens. That is what happens. I will say that we were, uh, we, I, I do give us props. We were one of the few last year that was like, look at Kenny Pickett as a rookie. He's going to suck. You got to just let him suck. And I think the same thing, Roger Jones, like when we know the struggles that are there, you can't, you can't, you just, you got to let him ride it out. Like what is your other option? Dan Moore Jr. I don't think that he holds enough grounds for fans to be like, get him off the field, put Dan Moore back in there. This is ridiculous. I think that everybody should just stay calm and, and see what happens. And also, let's not uh, let's not say that he inevitably struggles. I think that a lot of linemen yeah. come in here and and absolutely kill it. Creed Humphrey was the best center in football last year as a rookie. So, it the expectations you know are zero right now. Let's have zero expectations. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the first part, I guess. What are the realistic expectations? So I guess we can't have zero expectations. Uh, what's your thoughts for Broderick in year one? Well. So we talked about this earlier this week on one of our many other episodes. Um, yeah. But we, I expect him to end up with the starting job, but he's going to end up facing some really talented pass rushers through the first three weeks of the season. I think it's like between the Raiders, the 49ers, and who else is in week three or in those first three weeks? Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Cleveland. So it's like, yeah, welcome to the league. You get to face Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, and Max Crosby. Like that's... Yeah. That's pretty insane. Um, yeah, so he's he's going to get tested real early, and I think we're going to we're going to have those 
we're going to have those thoughts of like, oh, is he ready for this? Like, did, did he really deserve this job over Jan- Dan Moore? But Dan Moore might have struggled just as much in that same situation. So I'd say I'm I'm giving him four or five weeks before I can say, okay, I think we actually know who Roger Jones is and what he looks like as a left tackle just for this season alone. Um, yeah. I think our expectation, my expectation is at least that he starts and goes through, you know, normal rookie things where he, sh- he does struggle. Yeah. I, I'll try not to slander him. I'm not sure what, what counts as slander or not, but. Oh, no, I'm going to slander heavy. But that's just, <laughs> you know, that's part of the gig. I, I think Broderick Jones, I agree with you. Super tough test coming in. I don't, I don't know if he'll, not to, you know, just prove you here, but I believe, I believe, no, no, no. He'll play Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's the right side. Is Joey, is Nick Bosa a right, a right end? Oh, I. I'm not sure, but I assume these guys do they not switch sides that often? Like, is some it not of them do, kind of some of them don't. I don't know. I, like I don't watch enough 49ers football. I, I know like Miles Garrett will line up against him because Dan Moore Jr. has held held his own against Miles, and I've been very impressed with it. So he will take on Miles Garrett in week two, which is huge. Max Crosby, I believe, also switches around. So you're, you're probably right there. So it's three huge tests. Week four, week five. I agree with you. Look at I just my expectations are this: the Steelers' offensive line has gotten way better this offseason. If Isaac Siamalu could stay healthy, he's part of the best offensive line in football one year ago. That's an automatic boost. Mason Mason Cole, you know, I don't think he's a bad center. I don't think he's great, but I don't think he's a bad center. I think James Daniels is your other building block, and I think Chooks has been fine. If Broderick Jones is the worst player on your offensive line as a 14th pick rookie, I feel pretty okay. I'm not really upset about what the Steelers' possibilities are if he's the one. Now, if he struggles terribly, my expectations are that Dan Moore Jr. is going to get some starting reps, and that's just what's going to happen. But I don't, I don't like, I don't look at Broderick Jones and say this guy is going to stink in year one. Like he went to Georgia. Every time he lined up in practice, he played against a Division One football player, or uh, not a Division One football. He did play against a Division One football player, True. but he True. went against a first round pick every single time for three years. Like this guy yeah. knows what he's doing. Plus he, he didn't start until this past season. So he was on the practice squad or the, yeah, the practice team or whatever it's called in college. So he was going up against these Jalen Carters and these Nolan yeah. Smiths. Like he's already NFL built. I just, I think that was a huge understatement of why the Steelers drafted him is because the Eagles go so heavy in Georgia players because everybody there plays against NFL guys. You want a left tackle that knows how to play NFL football draft the one who plays against NFL guys every single day in practice it's a crazy theory but you know draft the best players on the best teams and yeah sometimes it works out sometimes and in georgia it seems to always work out every Mm -hmm. single time all right two more for you guys scott and jersey shout out jersey now that mason is back would you like to see a fourth arm in camp i would prefer a rookie who could stick on the practice squad and develop into a third or backup for the next few years love the idea of a kid like hunter johnson resurrecting his career or simply having one. I think the bigger question here, Tanner Morgan seems to be the only guy that would come in. They're not going to sign a fifth quarterback, unfortunately. Do you, I think the real question is, do you think, you know, Tanner Morgan's got a shot to stick around for the season, even if they keep Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph? I absolutely do. I think that guy's too smart. Um, He's got some talent to him. Uh, I, I absolutely think so. Um, there's if anyone is going to stick around and be that that practice squad guy it's Tanner Morgan um and i don't think like i don't think mason like pushes him out like i don't think signing mason pushed him out or anything 
I still think this guy, like, I still think he's, he's, he's not going to dress on Sundays or he may never rise above the practice squad, at least this season, but he's going to stick around for sure. I'd, I'd be willing to bet on that. I don't know if I agree with that one. I don't, I, I hope he does. I hope the Steelers keep a practice squad quarterback just because I would like to see them start to develop somebody for when Mitch is gone and when Mason is gone and have that, that backup plan. But their their ideas with these backup quarterbacks just stump me. You know, like if, if I'm the Steelers, I'm looking at this going, look at Mason, you stick around one year. Mitch is gone next year. We'll sign you to a longer term deal, three years, maybe. And you could be Kenny Pickett's backup and you could feel real good about that one. And then Tanner Morgan hopefully sticks around and he's QB three moving forward. And then you feel really good about your quarterbacks for the next four years. But if you have three of them already, like unless they just don't have a practice squad guy, but like what's Tanner Morgan wouldn't do anything throughout the season. Like he would just kind of stand around like practice squad guy would be nobody. I mean, it's It'd be Mason. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to being, uh, I guess I, 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 I see, I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's it, I, look at, I agree. I think that you should keep a younger guy, but it, it depends on, like, are you going to waste a practice squad spot on a on a fourth quarterback who isn't going to do anything at all? Like, I don't know. I have a hard time believing in that one. I, if Tanner Morgan doesn't get signed somewhere else, I think he'll be the guy that, like, anytime they need another QB for some reason or somebody goes down or whatever, he comes to Pittsburgh. But yeah, I was going to say, I'd be really enough. afraid on – I'd be – not really afraid fourth quarterback, but I'd be afraid of missing out on him. You know, I'd be afraid that someone yeah, me too. else picks him. Me in. too. I think that that's the big thing here is like, you're going to, you're going to get rid of Tanner Morgan to keep Mitch Trubisky for one year. And then you're going to be back in the same boat next year, trying to figure it out again. And I just don't like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like how many years in a row are you going to add a, a young QB that you're hoping that has potential? Chris Oladokun had potential. Tanner, Tanner Morgan has potential and you're just going to keep letting them go. Because, because you, you love know, you, Mason Rudolph. Because you love Mason and Mitch and Mitch so much, and it just yeah, it just doesn't make sense. But do I think one sticks around? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a lot of questions that'll come in training camp. I think we got to see him throw a football first with pads on and an actual defense, and then from yeah. there we'll figure it out. All right, last one for you guys, Joey. Appreciate you. What do you think is going to be the workload for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren next year with the bolstered O line and Najee being presumably healthy this year? Will it be more 50 50 workload or 33 67? Wow, dude did some math. Shout out, Joey. <laughs> kind of year. What are your thoughts on the, the workload split for Najee and Jalen? I honestly think it'll be closer to like a 70 30 in favor of Najee. Um, I think Najee's gonna be really good this year, and it's and Jalen is really good too. I'm a huge fan, but I don't know. Najee's Najee's due for a big year, and if Najee's cooking, they're not gonna sacrifice his touches just to you know keep him fresh or anything or keep him healthy. Like at some point, a guy's got to run the football, and Najee's gonna run the football a lot. He's gonna get his touches. Yeah, I I agree. I think you know the Steelers tried very hard to add a second running back and be a two running back system last year. I think it hurt their soul the entire time. They're probably like, what are we doing? We need a bell cow. I think Najee, if he's healthy and if he's slimmer and if he's not taking the hits that he took the last two years, it's like a 70, 30 split. 
I think I think Jalen, you know, gets a lot of reps and is utilized a lot more this season in different ways. And I think he takes a step forward, definitely. But I just think that those 30 reps are those 30 percent of the reps are more utilized correctly. Last year, it was a lot of Jalen's just coming into pass block. Jalen's going to catch a football out of the backfield, you know, here or there. I think this year it's like, let's use Jalen as the change of pace back. Let's use him on third downs you know, all these things. And he actually has a role instead of just like, all right, toss him on the field. Najee needs a break. Um, I think that'll be more orchestrated, but Najee's going to take a huge bulk of the carries. And I agree with you. I think this year for Najee Harris, huge year. Like I said that last year, injuries got us down. I think this year, the biggest thing to watch is Jalen Warren's going to hold 70% of the snaps in training camp because they're going to keep Najee healthy. And then once the season comes, they're just going to let Najee loose and say, go ahead, buddy, do your thing. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. We're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of all Steelers talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts and check out all of mine and Steven's work at all Steelers.com and our pit coverage at inside the Panthers.com. Appreciate everybody who submitted their questions. I will be back on Friday with Derek. Enjoy another beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.